Hey, what? Where, where's Sam? Oh, oh no, I'm right here, Andrew. You're Over in here. You're in a window on my on my screen. You're in a window on my screen. It looks like we're zooming this episode of Film Mary Q. Wow, I hope that was I... enjoyable for you guys out there, <laughs> as it was for us. Uh, Is anything? Hello, Andrew. Hi, Sam. How are you? I I mean. Nothing has changed. <laughs> yeah, we since, since yes. we've done this. Yeah, that's true. We so we launch a podcast. We we do our little fun get together. We sit far across the the table from each other when we recorded this before, and now mm-hmm. the situation has gotten worse. And I think I, I, all I can do is apologize. I guess I'm yeah causing COVID to spread. I Andy, you gotta got you gotta stop going to so many raves. We've- yeah, I and and Trump rallies and and just you know make out parties. I'm really wait. You're going to make out parties? Colette's letting you do that? Oh shit! I shouldn't have said that out loud. Oh brother! <laughs> tell Colette and Toffee to go quarantine. Okay. Like, tell I'll- them to go like get find a place. I'll do that right after this 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 uh this podcast. I think this will be interesting for her to overhear too, since she's only going to hear the one side of the conversation. So there'll just be these long stretches of silence, and then me going, <laughs> "Oh, that that makes that makes me believe that I'm actually funny." Thank you so much. <laughs> uh, well, uh, Sam, what do we do on this here show? This dear show, Andrew, we take each other's film selections and we torture, tantalize, and even politely pet uh, <laughs> each other's <laughs> each other's film categories we've logged uh, through a polite, through a very dignifying and very gentlemanly game of film, A Fuck, Mary Kill. I almost said the name of the title twice. Oh, <laughs> uh, we fuck, Mary kill each other's choices we've seen this week. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, how has the quarantine been for you? How has this been different? Oh boy. Um, yeah. Well, um, this week has been a week, certainly. Uh, work was uh, quite busy. Um, and it was a bit sad to have to cancel some Thanksgiving plans and some family get-together plans if uh, the pandemic weren't raging. Um, mm. Or if it was raging as it was in summer, I'd probably be in uh, Libertyville with my uh, my older brother and sister-in-law and the rest of my family celebrating uh, the upcoming retirement of my mother. Oh. It would have been real sweet. Yeah, she had a cancer retirement because people are going back to libraries now. <laughs> Something like that. No, she, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I both don't know how much information I want to say, and you whether to make that information funny. You don't have to. You can. I mean, you, you. We we have a choice in this in this podcast in America to not give out information we don't want to, even though we're trusted friends and we like and we would trust each other's lives if we could. You think so? <laughs> you shook your head when you said that. <laughs> I want people to know this. <laughs> he shook his head no when he said that. Do we put out video for this now? Is this going to be a thing so you can see all the subtle eye, eyebrow wagging and head nods of our all stupid like, faces? I mean, we just got to find a way to get Instagram live, baby. That's <laughs> right. Be, 
we'll be good. That's right. Colette is really good at the the marketing and promoting of things. So she's already been like, so what's your like social media presence like? And he's like, I have a Twitter that I haven't used yet. And she's like, you maybe should think about using that Twitter. It's like, okay. So <laughs> she took pictures of us doing like just talking. Like in, I was in a taco costume. You were just in your regular black clothes. That's right. That's right. Just uh, my usual black and your dress threads. blacks. Yeah, that's right. My dress blacks. <laughs> we never know when a running crew is needed. You're right. I was going to ask you how your week has been. Oh, it's great. Uh, I had therapy last yesterday. Yesterday, sorry, I had therapy Ooh. yesterday, so that was fun. Mm. My, You're I feel confident therapy. to say this, but and feel free to edit it out. I probably will, but <laughs> I'll probably say delete this section. But uh, my my therapist told me after we were talking like, oh, I don't feel like I'm up for a relationship yet. And he's like, he just directly said, have you thought about casual sex? <laughs> Damn. Okay, and I, buddy. I looked at him and I looked at him and was like, oh, it's it's been in my mind. <laughs> have I thought about it? No. Has it, been, has it been wandering in my head since <laughs> I was 12 years old? No, doc, I don't. <laughs> I don't think that's happened in my head. Is there any other kind? <laughs> Wait, there's there's been informal sex happening? <laughs> I haven't had to fill out a form? <laughs> I, I've been lied to this whole time? I don't have to get a ticket from the ticket taker and wait in line for an old Polish man to scream my number? <laughs> I just that being said, Andy, uh, ladies, I'm very single. <laughs> yep. Yeah, if you want to risk dating now, I, I recommend Sam. My my grandfather gave me a tarp that's just collecting dust. <laughs> oh god. Please. That please might be edited that. out. That <laughs> no. might that's the one. <laughs> that's, why is that gonna be your ringtone for me for the next five years? <laughs> oh mercy. Oh man. Well, Andy, um, how how is Wedding Watch going? How how is your how's your life then? One big uh, update for Wedding Watch is that we now think we're going to do it on New Year's Eve of 2021, mm. rather than Wait, this September. New Year's Eve. No, no, not oh, this New 20, Year's Eve, but next. 21. Yeah, so December 31st, 2021, going into 20. 22 what uh what made you what what was that decision i think it's there's two reasons for it one she thinks it would be um well three reasons one she thinks it would be kind of cute and a fun like double party to have a, mm -hmm. a wedding on new year's eve because of that too we think we can get maybe a better deal in some venues um okay. that we're that may not normally have things happening on New Year's Eve and three, given that our first choice for a venue had initially told us to wait until spring to reach out. And given that again, the pandemic, pandemic, the birdemic mm -hmm. is surging. The, bir the birdemic, um, yes. <laughs> it made more sense to like, if we put it off that way, if like, if we truly are turning a corner and things are better by spring and people are ready to make long-term plans, mm -hmm. it'll be a lot easier to plan a wedding if it's like book it in spring and for end of the year rather than book it in spring for three months from now it'd be a real it'd be a real 90 day fiance situation and we're not we're not about that well andy it's uh do you know what time it is it's time to play, time to play film, film oh, so we're gonna go through our yep. letterboxed uh diaries try to pick three films we've watched this week to play uh, Fuck Mary Kill with. 
Uh, you can follow along at uh, on Letterboxd. I'm at Kinetic Android. I'm at Sam Lounsbury, Sam underscore Lounsbury on Letterboxd and Sam Lounsbury on Twitter. And I'm at Phil Mary Kill on Twitter. Uh, Sam, would you like to tell me what you watched uh, since the last time we recorded? Absolutely, Andrew. Uh, oh, God. Uh, on, I, I do have to start this segment, though, with an apology. Oh, dear. Last episode, I may have went insane. <laughs> it almost, by, by proclamating that I would give Slumber Party Massacre 2 a five-star rating. You, you I've since that. rewatched that. <laughs> yeah. And a... I think, I think there was, I was in a womb of reefer and irony <laughs> where I, what were terrible and exciting were the same thing. <laughs> and I would like to apologize to anyone that had to watch that movie because I recommended it. I'm sorry. <laughs> so you rewatched that and uh... I rewatched that and slumber party massacre one. Cause I wanted to, I was getting ready. Uh, so Slumber Party Massacre, Slumber Party Massacre 2, mm-hmm. Honey Boy, Heather's Cure uh, by uh, Kurosawa in 1997, uh, different Kurosawa. Mm. Scanners by David Cronenberg, uh, What Time Is It There, the Taiwanese film, Thirst, and Just Under the Wire, Brightburn. Ah, yes. All right. Yes. Andrew, uh, what did you see this week? Since last we recorded, we binge-watched Seduced Inside the Nexium Cult, the Stars documentary series on mm-hmm. the Nexium Cult. I watched The Trial of the Chicago 7, finally. Um, mm-hmm. I re-watched Grave of the Fireflies. I watched Class Action Park. I uh, watched Wall Street, Ordinary People, Diner, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, and yesterday I rewatched. Uh, with with director's commentary, Parasite. Wait, there's a director's commentary for Parasite right now? Why, yes. I got the, the new Criterion edition that just came out uh, from the library, um, and I just returned it. So it's in circulation. Put a hold on it. Get it Get it to your house. It's, uh, I'll be back in 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, this has been Phil Mary Kill. Right. Oh, he's back. Thank God. <laughs> so, so. So sorry. So sorry. <laughs> Sam, of course, this, I find it when you're not in the room with me, but I have an actual quarter. Oh, my God. <laughs> I have an actual quarter. And in keeping with tradition, I'll have you call it uh, as I flip it. Heads. And it is tails. This Canadian quarter is tails. So Wait, we're not using USD? No, we're not. Not I'm calling. I'm going to challenge this. I'm going to take to the courts. And- <laughs> At them, that's just going to delay the podcast further. You know what? Hey, humor me. <laughs> All right, let's see. I'm going to challenge the court. All right, going to court. Yeah, he want, doesn't want to use a Canadian quarter. He wants to use a U.S. quarter. You lo- you you won this round, Sam. All right, fine. We'll get another U.S. quarter. All right, heads or tails. Guess what? It's still tails and it's still the Canadian quarter. So fuck you. <laughs> oh man. We're, we're going to be great when we integrate into society again. Yeah. I think it'll be <laughs> it's going to be, it's going to be miserable for people. All right. Well, let's see. I, I, right, I choose to go. I choose to give first. I had, oh, I had two movies. I got to pick a third because you already kind of, 
you stole my thunder a little bit. Oh, were you gonna try? To <laughs> I was. I was gonna. About... I was going to bring up is like, tell me more about Slumber Party Massacre Two now that you're sober, and try to fit that into the game. In but... fairness, I was sober for the episode, <laughs> but I did not. I. I was. Um, I. Very I understand. Asleep. Listen, I. We. We did an episode about the Bratz movie, so. <laughs> which isn't a good movie by any measure, but I, it was a fun movie to watch in the context the, I did. There's a DJ that's deaf, Andy. It's not a fun movie. It's a perfect movie. <laughs> it made us believe that magic can happen. All right. I know what I'm going to make you uh, uh, film, Mary Kill. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you, I need to incorporate one of the films I've seen, uh, mm-hmm. though based on the ratings, I think I know what's going to happen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to ask you to fuck, Mary Kill. Heather's... Honey boy, and what time is it there? Oh, okay. Well, oh man. <laughs> I don't want to say the sentence. Oh, I, I, I put, I'm going to say the sentence. Again, this is the brass trap. We always, we always seem to push each other these ways. We got to stop this. I've... I'm going to fuck Heather's. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I don't know. This was my first time seeing it all the way through. I saw it like like parts of it, and I am shocked by how well it still holds up. It is. I've never seen it. Oh my gosh! It is a pitch black comedy about a group of asshole friends named Heather's <laughs> and their other friend Veronica, who befriends Christian Slater. And they go on a killing spree, just trying to kill all the Heathers. It wow. is, uh, it's very fun to see the the Prometheus idea of all the teenage like comedies I grew up with now, because like it, I think they all like they all like if you were taking Mean Girls, um, Fired Up, uh, mm-hmm. Sex Drive, like all the other like stuff, they all have a route towards Heathers. And you can see it. You can see why. It's a very well shot, very like surprisingly cinematic comedy about um, high school if it was a horror uh, film. And it's fucking kind of accurate in how how horrifying it is. (laughs) Wow. It's also, it may be a little dead uh, on some (laughs) of the jokes. I see you gave it four stars too. I did. So that's a, yeah, I've I've heard good things. Um, I'm surprised it's not on the, Massive 100 plus film uh, best of 80s shortlist that film spotting's doing. I was I was curious about that too, um, but I, I feel like its legacy may be proceeded, like it may be bigger mm-hmm. than it is because we. I, I remember it being a huge movie when my when my parents they told me like, oh man, you should watch others. It's it was a big movie in the 80s, wow. and I'm like, oh okay. <laughs> and then I ignored it. <laughs> It just didn't, uh, didn't pick up the same way like John Hughes. No, didn't didn't do that. Didn't it wasn't like uh, a John Ford John Ford movie either. So we couldn't. It wasn't playing our house constantly. Others um, is not a John Wayne John Ford movie. No. What if it was? Give me give me that. <laughs> oh, well, I see you got the new burrito there, Heather. Why don't you give me the burrito there? <laughs> I, that's a they terrible don't call John you, Ford. No, they don't call you the man of a thousand voices at all. In fact, they call Sam the the man of one-ish voice. <laughs> man, 
oh, the other one's going to be super easy. I'm going to marry, uh, what time is it there? Yeah, you're really rated this high. And I don't yeah. know what this movie is. So tell me, tell, rec- tell me why I should watch this movie. You should watch this movie because it's an exploration in loneliness. Oh, and- okay. <laughs> That's not relatable. Yeah, not relatable at all. Uh, no, it's a, it's a story about a clock merchant while after losing his father, sells his father's watch to a customer and they go off to France. But in Taiwan, uh, all, they find that all the, the, the clocks in their homes have been changed to French time. Hmm. And it's a magical realism, but it is fucking sad. <laughs> it is unbearably sad. Uh, the more I think about it, the more uh, it, it just depresses me and it, it just Aww. makes me feel really sad. But it's also a film with a lot of wit and a lot of like visual poetry and uh, uh, whimsy. There, 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 there's the way each, the way it's filmed is probably the most profound thing about it. Mm. The movie is uh, 118 minutes long, but each shot is comprised. There's only 116 shots. Oh damn! So each shot is is like a right is like an average of a minute and a half. It is profound in the way it, it just we see an image and it, it man I don't know how to describe it. it. It's just still images and we're just watching the people act within the frame. The camera never moves. There's no like stylization towards it, but I think it's the lack of, it's everything that's lack of it that we're able to see people be more human and be more, uh, there. it adds a layer of constraint and a layer of isolation. This film is uh, paced very deliberately. It's not a film that you're gonna like say, oh, this is what it is about. It's like, you have to let it wash over you and let it just, <laughs> you have to like give it some time because I, I, I will admit, I was kind of antsy the first 15 minutes. Just like, when is, the, when is it going to start? When, when is the movie <laughs> going to start? And then it, it's, I'm like, the last 45 minutes were like so fast because I was just so caught up with it. Well, it sounds like, and this might be too, uh, too smart sounding of a statement for this podcast, but it Please sounds do. kind of like an extension of Ozu. Yes. I, I have, for somebody who's not seen Ozu, uh, but I've seen a lot of vid- film essays on Ozu. I see, yes. Yes. <laughs> it, this may be a little bit too region, regionally biased towards that, but like it's more similar to Edward Yang. Oh, like, sure. Yee Yee. Like it's more of that style of filmmaking where it, it makes, he makes uh, very intimate moments seem very grand and very... Uh, larger than life sometimes and it makes the immeasurable moment it makes those like quiet moments even more like land harder am i making sense i hope i hope i am i hope so i don't know we'll let the <laughs> we'll let history decide that's fair um and the kill the kill one what was the kill one again the last kill one? one i guess gotta be honey boy which is the one movie i've seen i mean look i'm glad shia went to therapy <laughs> I'm glad he was able to monetize that therapy and almost get an Oscar nomination. I think that's mm-hmm. what everyone was kind of glad about that he mm-hmm. didn't get that. <laughs> it's weird to be cynical about a movie like this because it, it is just like it seems like such a purposeful reinvention of of Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, like he it, it seems so 
Like, I, I'm doing this so you guys can take me seriously again. And I, look, I have no problem with a guy wanting to play his own father. I mean, it's not a bad movie. You'll get emotional about it. Yeah, but it, I, it's, it, it, yeah. What did you think of it? You saw it. Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was, again, really surprisingly strong. Um, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like, obviously br- brave um, in that he's, <laughs> he's, you know, well, by definitions, like, he's, it's clearly like, him working through his own childhood issues with how he was uh, as a former child star yeah, and the relationship he had with his father. It definitely feels like obviously fictionalized in certain senses. Like I don't think his father was like an actual like rodeo performer or something or maybe he was. I'm wrong. Oh, he was? Oh, he whoa, was whoops. a literal rodeo performer and he did that chicken thing he did was something that Shia LaBeouf wanted to get correctly because that's something his father had done mm-hmm. and was very to him as well <laughs> well i i didn't do all the research on this movie then too i just know i i did like it i thought um i thought the kid was really good mm-hmm. um i yeah I, I found it to be pretty emotional and pretty like yeah pretty deeply felt i don't know why we keep trying to make lucas hedges still happen <laughs> It's funny though. <laughs> if I have to be cynical about it, then yeah. Yeah, it's funny though, because like it feels like A24 is just trying to make them his their guy, mm-hmm. regardless of whether he's purpose whether he's needed or not. <laughs> like, cause that entire recovery, the entire crux for it, like him going into his memory, I wish they would just cut that out completely. Like it seemed like it was it it was too literal for me to enjoy it. And yeah, I, 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 yeah. I don't know if that's... Yeah, I, I, I agree. That's funny when those, do, those, when movies will do that, where they cut time very deliberately, and you kind of have to pick favorites. Where like, I always think of it like the Julia and Julia movie, that Amy Adams and a uh, Meryl Streep movie, where one was Julia Child and one was just a woman who was really into Julia Child. Her name was um, Julie. Yeah. Yeah, and I was like, the Julia stuff is I enjoy much more than the Julie uh julie did you know what i mean the, the, yeah, the amy adams stuff yeah yeah so i i kind of agree that i thought the the trips to the past were more compelling with like shia labeouf and the as his dad than lucas hedges as you know the kid later in life uh andy uh mm-hmm. your films i would like you to talk about okay you're gonna hate me i love it i'm sorry very sorry about this Oh boy. Uh, it's gonna be easy. Don't worry. Um, mm-hmm. Grave of the Fireflies. Okay. Uh, ordinary people. Okay. And the Lego Holiday Special. <laughs> <laughs> the Lego, the Lego Holiday Special. The Disney's Lego Holiday. You're right. This Marvel will be very... presents uh, J- Joe and Ethan Cohen's <laughs> Lego Holiday Special. Yeah, narrated by Orson Welles from Beyond the Grave. Co-starring Lucas Hedges. Ah, <laughs> uh, I hate... I'm sure he's a Do fine you really not man. like Lucas Hedges? I don't know if I don't like him. I just know that, like, I felt like there was a real push to make him happen in, like, a real obvious Oscar-y kind of way. Like, he made Boy Erased and Ben is Back, like, consecutively. You know, those came out. Where, like, the movie where he's a a gay kid going to conversion therapy or a drug, a recovering drug addict being uh, hugging the lower half of Julia Roberts's body. Um, 
I just remember seeing a bunch of trailers for uh, Ben is back, uh, back in the movie past days and thinking, I don't know if I'm going to see this. And I never did. <laughs> um, I, I was working in the Chicago uh, film, it, film festival as one of their like calling people for their ticket takers. Uh-huh. And uh, every time somebody would call in and say, hey, can I get one ticket for Ben is back? Cause it played at the festival. Yeah. Uh, I would say, are you sure? Uh, <laughs> I, I want to make a disclaimer I did not actually do that so do not follow up on that Don <laughs> or Susie or or Michael from the film festival sure, sure. Okay. Um, yeah I don't know I, I maybe I should give him a, maybe a fair chance I've, I've thought about um, trying to go through an entire actor's filmography and his is shorter, relatively speaking, than like, you know, classic. So I'd be like, I could get current on Lucas Hedges and like tell myself, like, what is it about this kid? Because, you know, he's also in Lady Bird and really great in Lady Bird. Yeah, I think he's a great ensemble player. Like you can kind of like put him in anything and he'll, yeah. he'll do a job. But like he was good in mid 90s, too. Um, yeah, I like yeah. him in mid 90s. I, wait, no, I hate him in mid 90s. I mean, he's oh, an welcome, asshole. To my, welcome to my <laughs> world now. <laughs> No, I like him. At, like his character, I don't like him, but I liked. Yeah, yeah. I hear what you. I hear what you're saying. You, his character was a dick, but he mm-hmm. he played he played that asshole character very well. All sure. right. So between ordinary people, Grave of the Fireflies, and the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special, not a not a no questions asked. Uh, fucking ordinary people. Um, never seen that movie. <laughs> you just wanted me to say that a lot, didn't you? I honestly didn't think about it until just now, but oh my god. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. I'll say it again. I'm fucking ordinary people. Um, I watched it because it's shortlisted for the uh, for Film Spotting Madness. I watched it on Criterion Channel. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was super well acted and super compelling. I thought Timothy Hutton was just, I just really fell for him. And it was sort of weird and sad to look up like, how, like what else is Timothy Hutton in? And how it definitely was like, this seems like a bit of an early peak in terms of prestige for Timothy Hutton, though he's good in uh, the Haunting of Hill House. The, the yeah, have you have you finished that? Nope. Um, oh. I'll get to it eventually. He was great leverage. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. He's he was on leverage. Good, good, good call. I I also liked Mary Tyler Moore. Um, I liked Donald Sutherland. I liked. I I don't know. I just I think it it I liked the setting of. What, what was it like? Lake Forest, uh, Illinois too. So it's nice to see the familiar suburbs in the eighties. Yeah, I just think it's a super, I think it was super well-written and super well-performed that um, surprisingly, you know, for a first time director, it's like, it's kind of nice to think like, oh, Robert Redford seems to have a way way with this. Um, but it's, he's Robert Redford. So I'm sure he had all the help and all the like gumption to go for it. Um, I know he's like, Robert Redford has not like, has also kind of gone up on a bit of a decline uh, critically in terms of like, as his filmography goes on. I know I've seen Line for Lambs, which I had the review for my college paper. And that was like, that's not a movie I think will hold up at all today. <laughs> but yeah, I, I quite enjoyed it and then was uh, def- definitely moved by it. It's mainly for, it's, it's an acting showcase for sure. I do wonder though, I know this is like a Hollywood politics thing um, based on like, 
your star power and money and such. But it seems weird to me that Timothy Hutton is not like top billed in this movie. Cause like, oh. it's his movie. It's yeah. mostly about his character and his growth. And like the parents are really the supporting players in this movie. Yeah. But they're, it- because it's Mary Tyler Moore and Donald Sutherland, they get top billing. And I've, I don't know, I was thinking about that. Uh, I just know Timothy Hutton won Best Supporting Actor, and I thought, but it's his movie. Yeah, <laughs> I'm the supporting actor. <laughs> I remember watching this back in the day and having the exact same anger because, like, he's in every scene. Like, he's but in every scene in the movie. Yeah. If he's not in the scene, they're talking about him. <laughs> but then, like, it goes to that weird idea of, of Mark promotional for award season. Of, mm-hmm. Like, because didn't a similar, there was a similar thing with two popes last yeah, year yeah. where if where you can kind of argue that both of those uh both popes <laughs> would be considered for lead performance because it's both their movie but yeah it's and that's yeah it's all marketing and it's all like a way to try to spread the award wealth or think like well we have a better shot of getting an award in this category than we would in this category like i think yeah. also famously like anthony hopkins you know wins best actor when I guess I guess maybe that could that could count. Wait, but he's, his is more for, for Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. yeah, but it's also like if you think about it, like screenplay structurally, he's definitely more supporting character than lead. It's weird. It's all weird. Yeah. Anyway, I'm fucking ordinary people. There, I said it a third time. You're I a mean, man of the people, the ordinary people. I don't know what I don't know what my fiance will think about this when she overhears this, but I mean, is she hearing it now? Who knows? Um, I'm clearly in a separate room. So I'm going to marry Grave of the Fireflies, of course, which is one of the all-time best animated films. Um, if you don't know, it's a, it is a Studio Ghibli film, not directed by Hayao Miyazaki. It's the other guy, right? Right, it's the I other guy. I don't mean guy. it. Like, it is literally, there are two directors. I'm yes. not making that up, right? Iso Takahata is okay. that director's name. The other one was only yesterday that he had directed. I believe so. I'm going to slowly work my way through Ghibli and Miyazaki's filmography. I'm sure by, by the end of this time, by this time next year. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's, what can you say about it? It's, it's devastating and gorgeous. Um, I rewatched it because again, shortlist for the film Mm -hmm. spotting best of the eighties. And it's one of those movies that everyone talks about being like, you can see once, but then you can't imagine seeing again. Um, Cause it is, gets sad and it gets really real in terms of, you know, wartime atrocity, but you know, give it, give it another, if you've seen it once and it's been a few years, give it another try just to like, remind yourself of like what a really special sensitive uh, animated film can can look like i had the same feeling when i watched it a couple years ago for the first time and it oh, was it, it's one of those things like yeah i wouldn't recommend it for everyone it's not a casual view you can't just put it on the background i wouldn't put it in front of my 12 year old andy well do you recall well this was a fun little bit of trivia about it that it came out uh on the same day as my neighbor totoro and it was like a double feature so can you i haven't seen my neighbor totoro yet but i know from reputation that it's definitely not as bleak <laughs> as <laughs> grave of the fireflies yeah yeah the the cat bus wasn't distributing a-bombs uh <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah yeah it's just i think it's a masterpiece i think it's just so 
deeply felt and so beautifully animated too. Um, I mean, it's one of those things like it is a sad movie, but a great sad movie will have enough grace notes and enough little moments of, I guess, Zen for lack of a better word, where it like those things just like feel more, I don't know, you just cherish them more. So yeah, obviously I'm marrying Grave of Flyfest. I don't know when I'll watch it again. I'm probably going to wait another like couple of years to dip, dip my toe back into that water. But Andy, you can come back to my place and we'll just project in the backyard for all the kids. I think they'll like it. Brats, cats, Grave of the Fireflies. That's, <laughs> that's, our, that's our film festival. Oh, uh, I can't wait for us to get all the stars. <laughs> All right. Speaking of stars, um, I'm killing <laughs> the Lego Star Wars holiday special. I didn't know this was coming out. My older brother is a big Star Wars fan, and he showed me kind of a funny, a mock-up poster of like the le- uh, like a uh, severed Lego hand. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that too. It was, yeah, it was that 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 was pretty cute. Um, you know, I like the Lego Movie, um, and I like Star Wars, and I think you know, maybe this will all be fun. And it is a movie. I will give it this. It is a, I mean, it's a movie. It's a 40, 40 some minute <laughs> special that's on Disney plus. Um, I liked it a little more as it went on, started to incorporate the, like the things that make a Lego property fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that it, unless they're like, you have a child who's getting into star Wars, like my nephew, um, you don't need to say this. It's about, it's basically, it, it takes place in the, after the rise of Skywalker uh, and all the Star Wars folks are gathered on Chewie's planet to celebrate Life Day as they did in the original uh, holiday special. Ask, does it follow the, the original holiday special plot line, which I'm very grateful it does. Um, at least in that part, because then Ray goes, Ray's trying to train Finn to be a Jedi and it's not working out. So she goes to try to figure out how she can be a better Jedi master and finds this stone that turns into a key that can take her through time. So she gets to go through various other points in Star Wars history, like pretty much through the entire like Skywalker saga. And that's where it gets kind of fun because, you know, fights break out and other characters start falling through this wormhole. And like suddenly you're getting like, uh, Kylo Ren and Darth Vader <laughs> fighting with Sebulba across from, <laughs> across from like young Luke, old Luke, and Han Solo, young Han Solo, old Han Solo, um, which is part <laughs> of like in my head, it's like this is what Legos are about, right? This is why you buy yeah. all the various Lego sets, so then you can play on the carpet and be like, all right, now Kylo Ren's gonna take on Han Solo, and now he's gonna take on. Uh, all this it, stuff and it's almost like Tekken but with like Star Wars <laughs> like just like yeah. yeah yeah there's a couple funny jokes in there too it's 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 humor is aimed a little more at like I think kids kids stuff than it mm. is than it is for that but there's a couple like I mean there's Star Wars nerd jokes in there the, the one I thought was pretty funny was that um because to uh, the second Death Star in Return of the Jedi mm-hmm. They, they have an argument about why Death Star 2 is a lame name. And then Darth Vader goes, <laughs> goes like, what? Like, why don't we call it a different name? Like Star Killer Base. Like, that's the worst name ever. <laughs> Just so I do Uh-oh. like that it can take, doesn't take itself too seriously. But the one thing that really, really stuck in my craw, I, 
Oh, uh, I mean, I mean, no offense to the, I'm sure the, the very accomplished and very talented voice actress named Helen Sadler, who is uh, playing, mm. playing Ray. It's very much an imitation Ray voice. <laughs> and that wow. threw me off. Like, it's very much like, oh, I have to go do you. Like the English accent <laughs> is so thick and very much like, See kids, I sound a li- I sound enough like her to be her, and I was ready. I I turned it off like ten minutes in, thinking like I'm not going to finish this. But then for some reason, because that day was so stressful work wise, it's like I kind of want to watch it so I have something to talk about with my other brother who who liked it quite a bit, I quite a bit that. more than me. Matt um, gave it like almost a four star review, and I was like, man, you really like Star Wars. It's made for him. I mean, That's it's fair. It's clever in that sense, and it, uh, it's got all your references that you want. And yeah, because he got to watch it with his, uh, with his kid, who is getting into Star Wars slowly and loves to play with the Star Wars Legos. I like this comment, too, just the idea that now that he's seen all this stuff, he probably won't be that su- surprised by uh, all the plot developments that happen in the uh, other Star Wars movies when he eventually <laughs> is, gets around to seeing them. Aww. Well, Sam, we're almost at the end. I'm trying to see if there's anything I want to ask you about uh, that yeah, you've also me, seen. Um, see what else you've seen. You don't want to talk about it. You said you made that very clear at the beginning of the show. I'll but talk about did, Brightburn. Um, it, 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 so basically, I, the concept is it's a superhero movie, but the superhero is a bad, evil kid. Yeah. It, did you see it? I have not seen it, no. That idea is great for a two minute and 30 second trailer Mm. for a movie that would never come out. And it looks like they made a movie instead. (laughs) (laughs) The entire time I was watching it with my friend who was, I I edit stuff for him. Mm -hmm. I edit stuff for him. And after each editing session, we watch a movie together. And that one is, was probably the most painful one. Oh, wow. Because it, and we saw Venom together. It, it was it, it was so painful because we just kept on wondering like who made who wanted to make this like it's not like a bad yeah. I mean I it's like interesting concept certainly yeah but it doesn't go, have any legs beyond that like then you just know how it's gonna be like oh it's it's a kid it's like uh, uh Superman but Columbine like that it, it literally oh. it's like a little it doesn't get that dark. I will say it that, like that, but like it, there are moments of like, are they trying, like there's no parallel to real world stuff that they're trying to say beyond like, what if this happened? Like it, for a moment or two, we thought it was going to be like a incel parable or mm-hmm. like, a, or like a weird, like uh, white supremacy, like commentary. That would um, be interesting. It would it would but uh i agree uh, but the filmmakers did not think so <laughs> they just went, like no it's just the mo- it's a it is a creature feature if the creature is a superhero i see and it, it, it just it's really bad it's like it's not fun like elizabeth banks like sh- she's a she plays a mom mm-hmm. you know she acts like an aunt like, <laughs> like regard she, she gives off big aunt vibes regardless I would love if Elizabeth Banks was my aunt. I would too. I would be. I would be so happy. I, I would be like, oh man, I have a cool aunt. She wears uh, leather jackets in Kansas. Yeah, yeah. I got some cousins who I think uh, think might might be available. I think that would work. 
Andy, there was another one I wanted to hear you talk about, though. Yeah, what's that? Oh, but you should definitely watch Cure. Side note, you should watch Cure. Okay, what's Cure about? Cure is a is like a Fincher esque uh, thriller. A detective's looking, discovering a strange series of murders of people just randomly killing other people, and they they it's almost like they come out of a, a weird psychosis state. Like, yeah, I killed them. I don't know why, but I killed them. <laughs> and they have like they're like they're not like debating or not like yeah they're pretty easily found like yeah i killed that person i don't know why i did it and it turns out <laughs> that there is a uh sociopathic hypnotist who has amnesia who's wandering around japan like like serial picking people to kill other people jeez it is fincher-esque in like craft and uh ideas kiyoshi kurosawa no relation to what i know of the infamous filmmaker that was, real, that was real bold of you in the beginning to be like uh kurosawa is this not that kurosawa though just be like why because like, like, I mean, there's there's a I, I don't know there's only one kurosawa though as far as film nerds are concerned it'd be like it's it's no not steven spielberg george spielberg no, not David De Palma. <laughs> it's Brian. No, but uh, there might be two now. I might go. This guy is pretty great. Uh, I liked a lot of it. It was almost. It was that. And uh, what time is it there that were like the top picks for like in my in my top five list? Like they oh. were. It was that those two, and then. Heather and everything else was like a distant uh, second. They were way ahead. They were way ahead of everything else. Uh, Andy, I want you to tell me about the parasite commentary. Oh, dude! I, I, tell me, tell me more. Just, just, just recite the commentary for me. Um, I actually pulled up a uh, note file because I was uh, taking down notes uh, of what movies we talked about for mm -hmm. the notes of our own show. And I have a lot of the stuff that I wrote about as I was watching the, the commentary. Definitely he met a lot of cool connections that um, I had uh, that seem obvious, but like, oh yeah, this definitely is a Hitchcockian movie. Mm -hmm. um, he points out like uh, the overhead shot uh, where... Uh, where one character is running towards stairs outside. I'm going to try not to spoil it in case you still haven't seen Parasite, but you really should see Parasite. Watch Parasite. That, yeah. You, Stop you listening. Literally turn this off and just watch Parasite. Throw um, your phone in the lake and watch Parasite, goddammit. Cut off the phones in your house. Cut off ties with all your loved ones and watch Parasite. Go buy a Blu-ray player and go watch Parasite on it. <laughs> Quit your job. All you're doing is watching Parasite. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. so there's a funny part too, because in the beginning, he's talking, of, uh, first scene, he was telling him about building the sets for uh, the movie because the house was built. Uh, they didn't find the location, although people thought they did. And even the street where uh, the poor family lives is, he says, like, we built that into a, in a water tank for uh, for reasons I can't spoil, even in commentary. And then the critic's like, we can kind of assume if people are watching this, they've already seen the movie. It's like, right. So, yeah, it's, we built it in a water tank because, you know, later in the movie, we flooded it. I, I fucking love how sweet Bon Juno is in that moment. And like how sweet is it? Even when he's like in commentary, he's like, look, you may want to watch this movie. I don't know. Uh. 
one the one thing that also that really blows my mind though um is how much cgi is in the movie he revealed yeah i've seen like cgi breakdowns of that and i'm blown away by yeah. like is all our people cgi in this movie like, <laughs> yeah i remember i even watched the uh, a making of uh, a making of documentary on netflix for roma and it's kind of similar that way too just of like how how immersed and like cg how much cgi is on probably most of everything we watch but how mm-hmm. we don't even notice and that and how kind of cool that is yeah. like you, you joked about how like it's more expensive to plant trees in the yard of this house than it was to just CGI trees. <laughs> like we planted a few trees, but then we used as a reference to CGI the rest of the trees. Like they built the house, but they didn't build a second floor and they didn't build a basement. So like when that famous shower where, where uh, the son is walking up the stairs and first seeing the house, mm-hmm. like he goes up and sees it through his point of view. Basically the house is there, but like the top floor was blue screened pretty much. So they like animated the top floor of the house later. And then they use great camera tricks and CGI for like when they were doing tracking shots to kind of like when they're trying to make the illusion of a continuous space, there's definitely like CGI and uh interest and like yeah trick cutting to make that seem like a continuous space the one thing that also really blew the mind too is um in that same over in like this great overhead shot of uh again not spoiler alert Mm -hmm. um but you know at at the end of the movie where the the violence has happened and the father uh the poor family's father like runs away and goes downstairs there's that overhead shot he says the grass the green of the grass is cgi'd (laughs) Like it's just like super bright in there a little bit. Like Yeah, yeah. Because you know, they're using real grass, but they've been outside so much that like the grass is pretty much dead. And you can see like because it's been trampled on so yeah. much for all the camera setups. So like you can see dirt coming through. So they're just they, like they made it like like literally greener grass on the yeah. other side a little bit. I, I take that back. The most mind blowing use of CGI in that movie is in the scene when the poor family is drinking in the rich folks house when they're all camping like right before things go go to shit um they're having like a conversation the camera kind of pans it's it's not like it's not a one a complete one take but there's a lot of long takes and a few shots used in this scene and he was asking him how many takes did he use to get that uh that scene together and Mm -hmm. Pong Joon-ho admits like so funny thing about this scene is that and the hard part about filming a uh, an ensemble scene with an ensemble as talented as we had was that, you know, they would be they would always be good takes, but sometimes it would be like, ooh, take nine was really good for the the character of the son. Ooh, take ten was really good for the character of the father. Take oh. fourteen was really good. Like, can we like somehow CGI like through like take those takes and f- somehow fuse them together so like each actor gets their best moment it's amazing that that works that is incredible how yeah are, right how is no one talking about that but we talked about like there's like a podcast based on irishman's cgi yeah like, right I, like, like that is so much more innovative than like the da than the re-aging or de-aging process yeah i i would love to get like a total breakdown it's like so how did like how did that work like did they do like like social network style where like CGI'd his face, like their faces on other takes. Like they, I wonder if like you had to pick the one take for the body or do you like, and CGI the faces on it? Or do you like, are you literally cutting out entire people? Like are the Mm. camera motion movements so precise that like you could actually like kind of 
confuse him that way. They I, might have they might have cut they might have done some invisible cutting like by just kind of each yeah. part. I don't know. But yeah. Anyway, they're, they're, those are the things that probably most blew my mind in that uh in that uh commentary track. And yeah, go buy that Criterion DVD or get it from your local library. It's real good. Was it was it pre or post Oscar win? Post Oscar win. Okay. So was he did he hint on anything that he's gonna make afterwards he, or only in the most general sense. He said uh, he was working on a script, but he didn't give any details about that. Oh. Um, and even like, they try to be like, what's next for Pong Joon-ho? And he's like, just want to keep making movies. <laughs> That's it. That's all he tells you. Like, we don't, I don't know. I, unless, I, I didn't watch all the special features because um, mm. I have other DVDs to watch. and yeah, fair <laughs> And part of me was like, I got what I needed from this. And I kind of want to, you know, have something to watch, you know, the next time I feel like watching Parasite, which will happen in the future. It's not a Grave yeah. of the Fireflies situation where I'm only going <laughs> to watch it in a few, once every several years. I, I feel like you could watch Parasite over and over. It's, it's totally rewatchable. Oh, yeah. It's, it's one of those, like, um, it's, it's one of those introductory to, uh, foreign cinema that I think, like, it is, never fails. I feel like totally. it's always... I think like uh, people who say like I don't like reading when I watch my movies. I know. Um, my dad. Uh, no, he he'll watch Pants Labyrinth. Uh, <laughs> actually, that's not even a good in in a good impression. My father. My father <laughs> sounds more like this. He sounds like, uh, "Hi, I'm Sam's father." Uh, <laughs> I think I know what your father sounds like. Yeah. Well, I'm old Sam Lounsbury's father. Dad? Well, we gotta get this cattle rolling here in here in Montana or Idaho. You forgot where I lived. You it forgot. was one of those two states. Why don't you come on down to Wyoming and beat me up there? I'm Sam Lounsbury. <laughs> Sorry, I think my dad's here. Let's go. Oh, okay. Go. Should we should we stop the podcast now? Yeah, I have to go talk to my dad now. He's like, Dad, I'll be right there. Okay. Well, wait. He stopped talking. I guess I don't know. Like, no, no, no. Well, it's if we come to a good stopping point, I think <laughs> <laughs> I can do your impression of your father if you want. Oh, please do my impression of my father. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> you Sorry. know uh, so uh, me, so hard. Okay, wait. <laughs> no, you go ahead. Do do the outro, and I'll 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 come up with a voice. Go for it. <laughs> well, thank you, of course, for listening to this episode of film film mary carol i'm andy mitchell's father somebody bring me a croquet racket i want to go do some fishing in the boonies if you liked what you heard please like subscribe rate positively uh or negatively give us some critical feedback i'm not opposed to my son being criticized yeah, send your criticism to filmmarykill at protonmail.com. Find us on Twitter and on Letterboxd. Um, Have a great day watching movies, everybody. We'll see you next time on Film Mary Kill. Kill. Oh.